Aldo and welcome again to our second chat of today, Loose Lips. So we just spoke with Sophia before, that'll be up on my Instagram live for the next 24 hours. And then what I will do with all the chats is upload them onto my YouTube channel, which is Pop Cult Chic. So I'll go onto YouTube and catch all the back catalogue, including the one which is about to come up with our gent, Tom Granger has just sent the uh, link, so we'll align ourselves. Yo. Yes, lad, how are you? All right, mate. Am I not too bad? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can you hear me? Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> see you. I can see you. Do you remember that? <laughs> Phoenix Nights. Yeah, mate. Uh, Max and Paddy. Can you, yes, I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get the angles right on this, but is that, is that better? Well, no, can you do it oh, other way? Because now you're like, you're like, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a techno man. That should be, that should be an alias, DJ. That's, that's a good alias, that, you know, techno-phobe. If you see that coming up on Comedy Circuit and I'm being like uh, a, a fake DJ, you I'll can know, have some credit. I'm low down here, man. Anyway, yes. How's it going here? How's it been? How was the last chat? It was good, mate. It was really good, you know. Like, uh, so the lady I was speaking with is called Sophia, and she's like uh, a real influential figure in Leeds for a lot of the hospitality and bar industry. So she's really good at getting people together with one another and seeing, like, people who would work well with people that might not know each other. So she's good at introducing and, yeah. Yeah, real good. Like, we've got a live story. She met Luis Vigo when um, he first signed for uh, Barcelona and got his first ever Barcelona shirt. Fucking hell, sound that. Yeah, exactly. So that was that was pretty sick, man. That was good. That was good. But anyway, how are you then? How are, how are you adjusting to this? Uh, I'm all right, mate. Well, how, how's... <laughs> Baker, shout out Baker. Already, Is already he in the next room? Phone. Yeah, what? He's in the next room playing FIFA. Yeah, he's next to me. Can you... <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I'm all right. Um, it is uh, obviously my hair is fucking. I mean, it looks yeah, it looks bro. like it's not as good as yours, man. Bro, <laughs> the only thing that's getting me through mine at minute is that Dennis Rodman's starting to make yeah, his comeback in. Like, so I'm like, all right, that's what I'm basing that in like '96, man. Everyone's looking like that. Yeah, you're killing it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so I mean. Yeah, like everyone, man, uh, my job is completely like stopped. Both jobs, both DJing and my day job. Um, so I'm furloughed, like a lot of people. Um, so yeah, just kind of trying to use this time to do something productive, although it can be quite hard. You know, but um, so I'm, I'm doing a few bits and playing a lot of FIFA as well, much to the annoyance of my, my missus. But uh, yeah, and sort of keeping an eye on. Um, we get we get like you know a few bits through where keeping an eye on the news, seeing where we're going to be in the next few months, whatever. I'm, I'm sure it's the same with a lot of people in a lot of industries. You know what I mean, so yeah, currently a, a bit in the unknown, a little bit uh, scared of what's to come, but kind of also enjoying. It's a complete refresh, and it's giving me some new sort of um, views on uh, you know life as well as work. So yeah, I, I, it's probably the same for a lot of people, you know. So. Yeah, the pace the pace of life in London, I believe, can be quite hectic. So, is it? Does it seem like it is down there a bit of refreshing to almost just stall for a moment? Definitely, man. It's like um, it, it, it's pretty cool to be fair. It's like obviously, you know, it'd be better if we could all go outside, but it's nice being in London and it being a kind of easy pace of life, quite a simple life. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you pretty much get up. Uh, you know, do some exercise. I'm eating like three times a day, three like stable meals. So it's like, yeah, it's probably like the most routine I've had in a while, weird, weirdly. But um, I would much rather us all be free, of course. But yeah. Do you reckon any of these, say, like, for example, your eating habits and stuff? So any of the improvements that you've been making to lifestyle, do you think those are things that you can take think... on after it? Do you think the practical ones to maintain? Yeah, I mean, like, stuff like exercising. I find it as well, man, just, like, productivity outside of work as well, doing, you know, like, reading a bit more. Um, you know, I'm trying to learn piano. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, all that kind of, like, stuff that you've never really, like, found time to do 
That I've I'm seen your piano. Yeah, I've actually your your piano. You put it on one of your Insta stories, and um, it's got the keys, hasn't it? On I the don't, don't tell us the cheat. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, no, I thought like, it was genius, I, mate. I was like, yes, I, I see you. I, I was think, like, I see you. I think of it as kind of like stabilizers. So maybe this yeah. time next year, I can take like the stabilizers off. But yeah, there's something... no front in that, mate. That's that's class. Yeah, well, hopefully. But um, it, do you know what? It works, man. I found myself, I can play Twinkle Twinkle with two hands now. So there we go. It's getting somewhere. <laughs> the first thing you, the first thing you're going to do when you get out is go to like a train station and play that solo piano. Oh, and, you know, just go yeah. and serenade everybody with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, yeah? Yeah, probably get bottled and booed as well. But, you know, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I may, maybe that'll be my future career, busking. Who knows, man, after all this, when... We've all got no careers to go back to, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about yours because it was taking off and it is taking off. And I'm sure what I'm saying to a lot of people is, is this time pause or reset? And for me, I'm, I'm looking at it more of reset. So, you know, the improvements that you make, you've just said to your lifestyle, you're implementing them and they can continue. But when it goes back to where it is, you'll still be able to pick up with your career with where it was because you were, you were getting yourself like in some nicely noted things down there. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of again. It's like this whole like unknown thing. No one really knows what's going on. Uh, it's a <laughs> but uh, no, no one really knows what's going on. So I can't really say where I'll be. Like things were like good and stuff. I'm still very much like kind of on the circuit and doing like a lot of warm ups. And I just started getting like a few like kind of nice bits DJing. But in my my day job as well uh, as a well at a music agency, that was really starting to pick up and like. Uh, I, I took on a few new artists and stuff like that, and that was really starting to. I got like a few festival bits going on, and you know, um, everyone was kind of really excited and happy. And then this just completely halted that. So not only has like my DJing completely stopped, but my like day job has completely stopped as well. So I'm kind of in this weird spot, and I, no one knows when it's going to be back properly. So it's kind of just like in this weird. Uh, kind of unknown. It's limbo, isn't it? It's, it's almost like purgatory. But the, uh, do you know what, man? I know this is, you know, for a lot of industries as well. But uh, yeah, music is like it's it's tough at the moment. I'm, I'm lucky because I was on a salary at my job, so I, I go on the furlough. But for those self-employed musicians and stuff, I really, really, that's it's a real struggle for them at the minute. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, chat going about and petitions going about about save the venues as well at the minute as yeah, well. I'm actually I'm actually that. going to be speaking with uh, Nath from Brood and Ellen a couple of weeks as yeah, well to get yeah. his insight into that that world. Yeah, he's a super head man. He's one of the best uh, promoters in the UK. So that's a, that's a good interview to have. But um, yeah, man, I feel for all of them. All, basically, all these people that put gigs in, you know, do this for the right reasons are the ones that are going to be like hit the hardest, which is really sad. Um, um, obviously, like your big companies are going to survive this and, and, and be fine, but you know, the little guys that make the difference are the ones, you know, that's in terms of artists and promoters and you know, this whole kind of industry. It's really the little guys that are going to get hit the hardest by this, and that's kind of sad. So, I'd like to think there's a support network there though within each other, and I, yeah, I mean, think... no, there's definitely a community, mm. there's a community, and I think what this has done, uh, it's certainly brought the community closer together in terms of like. Um, you know, musicians, promoters, agents, managers, everyone's kind of like, you know, whereas before, and, it, you know, it was a bubble and it was getting stupid and people were like, you know, arguing over lots of money and there's lots of ego involved and all of this and people falling out and, you know, all the kind of cliche, you know, Ari Gold music biz sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? That was I'm gonna happening. I'm gonna bust through on Arad soon again. I'm gonna yeah, do it over yeah, again. Yeah. Harry Gold, shout out Harry Gold. I respect you for that. Sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, but no, but what's happened is this has just completely like squashed all of that, man. It's just there's no room for any like that. Everyone's got to be on the same team and pulling the same direction. It really is kind of like in terms of like the scene, sort of like uh, if we all don't pull together and support one another, there will be no scene. So it's like it's really. Um, it's kind of nice to see, you know, people that used to be the loggerheads kind of like getting along and like trying Being to make the bigger, the bigger picture of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, when this is all over and done, I think it, it's going to be the whole, again, the music is going to look completely different, man. It's going to be way more of a community. I think, you know, um, big fees and lots of traveling and, you know, all that's not going to, it, that's all going to change as well. So, I mean, in a way, it could be really good for, like, kind of um, local artists, smaller artists, because, you know, these club people are now, 
rather than this headline culture that was going around. People are now probably, you know, they're just itching to get to a club. And, you know, whoever, and if everyone's playing, whoever's good, you know, they're going to what they're going to go for the vibe rather than paying like 20 quid to see a big headliner in a big mm. venue. So I think it, there's so many things that are going to change. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible right now. But, as, you know, if you're like a smaller, um, a smaller artist, this could be, you know, it could be a pretty good... It could it could end up turn out all right for you, do you know what I mean? But for now, like the survival of people getting getting through financially or whatever is it that's the real kind of struggle at the minute. But there is kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel. If if and when they announce the end of this lockdown, so and the and the restrictions. So yeah. You speak a lot of sense there. I'm looking at uh, red and blue pill. I think that you you've got both worlds and both worlds uh, affect one another. But so it's almost which one do you want to focus on more it's not that you're ignoring the other it's just that when this does come out of it you want to be in the best base that you can be yeah, to, yeah. to push on and to hit the ground running yeah. and I think a lot of the newer artists well any artist but I think what will be a key to a lot of the new artists as well is in this time creating new material, new yeah, music, yeah, I mean, so that they've got more things that are going to grab people to, to come to their to their world. They, they, so, like, it is true. There's, you know, especially people who are kind of, you know, doing music as like a side hustle or whatever. There's no better time now to be like creating, but fully also, in it. But at the same time, it's also a completely uninspirational time of our, of everyone's life. Do you know what I mean it's such a depressing time? So, yeah, and, and, and you know, a, a lot of art comes from inspiration. And, you know, you can read books and stuff, but a lot of people, you know, get inspiration from, you know, being outside, going to clubs, going to these events, and all that stripped away. So I kind of feel it's kind of like, a, it's, like you say, there's two things. There's like, be as productive as you can and, you know, make all this music and, you know, you, you'll never have this amount of time off this late in your life ever again. But at the same time, it's totally fine if you're uninspired and like... yeah. And, and understandable it's totally fine to to not want to create or not want to like uh you know you just gotta like it's like a wave you've got to ride the wave man and then um i respect that i respect that but it, 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 at the same time you know it's, it is mad stressful not knowing what's gonna happen so it's yeah it's kind of a the, the music at the moment is kind of in a, it's in a weird the live music industry i'm talking about that's what i know um is in a kind of scary weird place at the minute so so are you, are you still uh, in regular contact with the artists that you were bringing on to your label then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. But we not label, onto the agency. agency. Yeah, yeah. So basically I speak to them. I speak to their manager. So I've got like, you know, there's a few tours planned for Q4 and uh, we're just keeping an eye on. So it's just, um, we need to announce them. So we're just kind of like waiting on um, what's going on. And he's just got to let the, let the government lead it. I think a lot of people now are cancelling um, August. It, 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 it appears that there's going to be no summer festivals whatsoever this year, yeah, especially. Do you the think? UK. Do you think that's a, um, a, 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 the right thing to do? Say, like, if everything's lifted in June, and say there's a, a I'm, you know, I'm just shot throwing names from the time yeah. that they're on. I'm not saying that any inside info, are, but let's say, for example, Mint Festival or Leeds Fest or Kendall. You know, you're later lying. Uh, will uh, lost and found. You know, yeah. all sort of festivals. Do you think that they've got an advantage in holding out, or do you think it's wise it's for them to sort of pull? The, the, the weird thing is that you've got going right now is um, even those festivals that are on in August, and again, they're kind of like this light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, nobody's buying tickets right now because nobody's got any money. So, and then people aren't going to get back to work properly till what? At least maybe mid-May, June could be even later, especially in that creative industries. So no one's got any money, so no one's buying any tickets. So you might put this festival on, the restrictions might just be okay, mm. and it's still going to be empty. The other thing you've got as well is, I think, realistically, man, you're not going to have 100,000 people stood in a field next to each other when there's no vaccine. So I think that's going to be another... I don't think you're going to see a big gathering or festival. And I don't even think, you know, like football even, I don't think football crowds will be, will be happening until next year. It's, it's sad, and it's literally my livelihood like you know both live events and i love football i don't think they're going to be back to normal till there's a vaccine and that's not going to be for 18 months so it's it's like and and in terms of a business the, the live music industry relies a lot on big festivals especially like the smaller independent sort of aspects that i work in 
those big fees from festivals kind of like sustain us. So it's it's certainly scary. All the government help is really appreciated what what, what they're offering. But you know, if that stops and there's no um, live events, then it's a pretty it's for everyone and for artists for the whole the whole um, what is it the whole world of it. It's just going to completely. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. I don't want to be too like bleak about it because the, the the flip side of this is, um, so bigger events won't happen, but smaller stuff might happen. So that means you know like smaller clubs and all that kind of thing. So that might still go on, and that you know you know like uh, I think in some countries it's like less than five hundred people. So you could still have like small like little events, and you could have like you know cool like you know mint club or whatever could be open. Well, it's gone now, but you the know formula, like, yeah, wire or whatever. Uh, wire or whatever you know that could be open so it's like yeah it, it it it's not all total doom and gloom there could be the chance of like we can still go party but i think festivals are, are gone yeah that's just not and i think even you know you're talking about august or whatever i think realistically they're gone as well now so i think you're looking at um next year for for kind of that sort of stuff yeah it's it's just the way it is man this, this thing's ridiculous about so far but so bringing it more to to in line with you then, how do you merge the two worlds of being a touring DJ? Well, I'm not a touring DJ. I play a lot of clubs in London. I've got a residency in Leeds. I do a few bits, but uh, that's touring. I'm hardly touring. Mate, that's touring. No, no. So the way I do it, the, 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 well, so it's like you know, obviously DJing mainly at weekends, uh, and then I work Monday to Friday at the agency, and then. I, I would never like um I've made a lot of contacts in both worlds that I kind of like bounce off each other that I use in like, you know, for DJing and you know, I use for agenting as well. So it's like it kind of sits nice. The the, the thing that I try not to do is though I don't try to cross wires too much because in in my agenting world I, I do very much like uh live bands and stuff like that. I don't really mess with DJs whereas obviously because I don't want to like conflict interest or anything like that or if I represent a DJ and I'm getting better gigs than the DJ, I don't want to piss them yeah. off. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that's the kind of way I balance it. Kind of keep them separate, but sort of use them at the same time. Yeah. So how do you do you go around spotting these artists then? How do artists uh, potentially approach you? A bit of A and R, like how would they get yeah, on yeah, your yeah. radar? So we get approached quite a lot. A lot of it, so um, a lot of it's just like I don't know, like. Uh, so we, we work with like a lot of managers at work. So it's like, um, we'll get like tip offs from managers or, you know, people that are on good labels, um, kind of will, uh, I'll check them out. Or if I do a good job for one manager more often than not, they'll like recommend, um, an artist to me. And it kind of, kind of just gets a very like, um, you know, like face to face, you get along with someone, you, you know, it's it's very much that kind of, uh, you get a good vibe off someone um, and then you like start working with them. And obviously you have to do a good job as well, but it's very much like a people industry, do you know what I mean? It's very, uh, I can see the trolling questions already. <laughs> from home but um, yeah, so no, A&R is, is, is a lot of like tips, a lot, a lot of digging as well. Sometimes you just go through SoundCloud. I know loads of people that have just like been found on SoundCloud, but uh, more often than not, if you want to like, you know, do bigger stuff, um, it's mainly from like tips or like friends of friends or like people I've worked with and stuff like that. Yeah. What's your regular uh, role within the agency? So I got two jobs. So um, I work. Um, my primary role is I'm an assistant to Rebecca Proclick, and she's one of the biggest agents in the UK. She looks after um, Skepta. Deer Hunter, uh, JME, all the boy better know guys. So I do a lot of like, uh, kind of, <laughs> I do their like, um, I do a lot of admin work for them and some logistics and like um, sort the ticket counts or whatever, sort, um, send out press release. I kind of engage between promoters and management or whatever. So I do that. That's like my primary role. And I, I work with like, I think it's maybe like 15 artists on that. Uh, and then I do, I'm an agent as well, I'm a junior agent, so I uh, I look after, I've got a small roster of, um, well, well, I'll tell you myself, I've got James Wrighton, uh, who used to be in the Claxons, who's got a fucking amazing album out on Dewey, which you, I think you'll definitely love it, Ben, you should definitely check it out. I know you're a bands guy, so yeah, check that out. Um, is he solo now? Or yeah, is it's just fucking brilliant though, so he's recorded uh, this album at Brian Ferry Studio, it's had Solvax on production, he's all in like white Gucci suits, mate, it's it's fucking mint it's so it's like i so the a and r for that went 
I worked with his label on another artist that I look after called uh, Lima. She's amazing as well. And um, they just did this promo video. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And I was like, whoa, it's the go-do from the Claxons. And then I was like, so I just hit up his management and I was like, um, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. And then they linked me up and it all happened. And it's fucking amazing. So definitely check him. And then she's a synth player in Solvax. She's got like an album on Dewey. That's really good. Free Love, who are these, uh, this crew from Glasgow. Um, they're amazing. Like one of the best live acts I've ever seen. Um, um, fucking brilliant. They've released on Optimo. They had um, a few really good festivals booked this year, which is not going to happen now. And then um, finally, Virginia Wing, who've got a new album coming out in August on Fire Records. And they're amazing as well. And they, they headlined uh, South Bank just before they went to write their album. So really like cool stuff. So that, all that I've just listed is so different to what I DJ, do you know what I mean? <laughs> So I like keep them separate. But yeah, so that's what, I think that's for, is that for artists? Yeah, James. Would you, would yeah. you, do you have like um, a maximum amount of artists that you'd want at one time? Are you quite... Well, yeah, so at the moment, because I still, because um, I still, you know, primary work as an assistant with Rebecca, um, I got to like balance my workloads. But um, so James was, just before they started, was kind of starting to pop uh, and it was getting really busy. And um, I had to kind of like, it was a, it was a lot of like, long days i know I'm getting, all my mates are gonna laugh at me for saying that because they think i don't work at all but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of like longer hours and like kind of like working late or whatever and um we've got this amazing tour planned for october um it was supposed to be all over europe hopefully it still is so that'll be announced soon but um that, that was a lot of work and yeah it's good fun though man it's a buzz it's like a it's like a rush when it all starts popping and everyone's really into it and you've like found this guy well, I've not yeah, it must it must be like a football scout like seeing yeah, someone well, you know if it, bringing if them it, through well kind of like that it's a buzz though man because like you know it's again you you know it's the same as you know me and you i play you a tune and you're like mate that's a mint tune do you know what i mean uh, me being like i've got this guy these people they're fucking sick take a chance on them and then you put them on the gig's really full everyone's buzzing the reviews come in and they're all loving it and it's just like a rush man it's like this is amazing and then you see them go from like 100 cap to like 500 to like a thousand and then before you know it they're absolutely massive and headlining this and that it's like it's a it's a it's a real rush man it's sick do you have a video diary the video diary it you know because i think something like that would be cool i don't think a lot of people get to no, see that, that transition uh, from your smaller clubs to when it pops yeah no well so they're all on social media man so i guess they're all making their own like video diaries but um it's like it's yeah it's it's wicked man and that's like the that's the total buzz of it and you know we get agents get a bad rep as kind of like money grabbers or whatever but uh the the actual buzz is just seeing an artist grow do you know what i mean um, I just read in the questions out. Get gigs yeah, for artists. Um, good Yeah, yeah. No, so I get gigs for smaller artists. Is basically connections. So you kind of have through my work as an assistant. I've met all these promoters, and they kind of know me. They know me through Rebecca. I think my boss has a big part to play in it. She's really well established, whatever, and anything associated with with her really helps. So was it was it her who who said that you know you should look to be like a junior book uh, junior agent as well. Well, I've, I've always, ever since I joined the agency, I wanted to do it. But um, Rebecca has been, again, I'm, I'm, I'm in a privileged position where I work with one of the best live agents in the UK. So I'm literally sat, I'm on every email. I see firsthand how she does business, how she grows. She's a, another one of these agents that kind of finds smaller artists and grows them. So I've seen the kind of blueprint. And, um, and, I, I've, and I've very, the, I, I've, I use the blueprint that she set basically quite often or not. And from going to shows with her, I've met promoters, got on with promoters, go to stuff like Great Escape or whatever. And then I have like, a, you kind of build a trust with them basically. And then you're like, look, I've got this artist. Um, I've got this artist and, you know, we wanted to do a gig. And then, you know, will you, you know, just like the, the normal kind of hustle, you'll probably do the first gig for cheap. It does it really well. And then the, then they grow you with you sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so get initially getting the gig for a small artist comes off probably uh, a bit of blagging a bit of reputation, reputation being who you work for, who you work with. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just a bit of like a, a friendship maybe, or like, you know, um, a trust, I guess. So, yeah. On the, on the flip to that, how do you encourage these artists to build their um, following? You know, if they're suddenly new out and, and they're developing the sound well, and they might not be well known, but how, how do you get that? 
so this is the thing. So I'm really, so when I first started kind of agenting, I had this habit of like taking on, we call them really green artists. So it's like when they're really good, but they have like no following at all. And sometimes you can make the, the problem of taking someone on too early because what tends to happen is as an artist, you get an agent and you're like, right, that's it. I'm going to get all these bookings. I'm going to get all this and it's all going to like take off for me. And then, you know, it's the next step. And sometimes, you know, managing them expectations can be like really difficult and it can be, it can be actually be problematic. You actually end up like, you know, it looks like you're not delivering or whatever, when the reality is they're probably just not ready yet. So you never, you never take anything on that's like too new. But then the, 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 the other issue is, you know, you, sometimes if you wait too long, someone else will take it. So I think the, the, um, that window has got a lot as a lot more like kind of independent agencies have started up that window's got a lot smaller and you've got to really kind of like work out but um that's kind of like roughly what happens so, yeah yeah do you find that um when they are quite green that's a good term when they are quite green um is there like a level where there's they could sign with an agent who's good with handling you know that Good level night. and then there they build there. them up to a bit and then do you then go in and swoop like i, I don't i've always yeah, wondered no. the world of the agent and the hierarchy and, so, and also so. off, the, off the back of that with the with the sort of hierarchy of different agents could you also specify the difference between like management and agents and the different roles that are played yeah. please okay so a manager so oh, okay an agent is solely responsible for getting an artist live shows so it's just live shows live shows and then those live shows can be like corporate live shows where you'll do like a christmas party for someone or something like that and then we negotiate the fees blah blah take a percentage and then that's that that's it that's literally what we do management is pretty much everything else so a manager some managers deal with like the recording and releasing side of an artist so which is obviously really obviously like music videos and stuff then there's like endorsements, um, advertising, you know, syncing. There's the manager does a lot of stuff, man. The agent, we just, whenever you see a live show, an agent is involved. But when, you know, all the other stuff that goes on with an artist, the kind of universe is all a manager. And, um, you know, uh, the managers are really, really, really important. And uh, I, a lot of times managers and agents um, sort of like battle over stuff. Um, but would you say that's quite a key relationship as well because you've got to get well, through the managers to get to the artist well yeah but it's like uh it's like i mean so if you if you signed an artist and you're working with a manager it's again a, a lot of agenting is about managing expectations so it's like you've got to i don't know like you the manager is expecting x amount of money for it thinks an artist is worth x amount of money but you're you know hustling daily knowing that they're not worth that so you've got to try and but then they they're expecting that so you've got to try and bridge the gap and kind of like negotiate them down and the promoter up sort of thing and meet in this middle ground so it's like that's kind of the, the difficulty of it all and also when you're doing stuff like um tours there's lots of like budgets and stuff so you've got to like work with you know um how much the show is going to cost how much it's going to cost to travel and then you've got to kind of like weigh that up with how much the ticket value it's worth and how much a promoter's willing to pay. So there's all kind of little aspects you have to think of. But um, so yeah, so well, yeah, so that's kind of what the, an agent does. Um, what was the other bit? I can't remember, man. I got lost there. No, the other bit was so with the hierarchy of uh, somebody oh, was yeah, a bit so green. So okay, so there's like there's your big agencies so you've got um you know these are like william morris for example i think they are they are massive they they've got offices in like la london um or what have you there's another one called paradigm who are really really big um so these are kind of like big major players these are the ones that have like your madonnas and jay-z i know jay-z's with live nation but you know like these kind of like mega artists um so what tends to happen is small like independent agencies like what i work for will kind of find the artists, the newer sort of artists, and then they get to a certain value, and then these bigger agencies are like trying to swoop. But what happens at the, the kind of the difference between like an independent agency and a bigger agency, a bigger agency are very much like money and numbers and very corporate and very, you know, like targets and like, you know, and they don't really, they're not really like a tailored sort of service. They don't really think about positioning or like, you know, for example, say Glastonbury offered x amount but reading and leeds offer this amount but you couldn't play both of them together 
So a corporate agency would probably go, well, who's paying the most? Whereas yeah. like, we like to think, oh, what's actually better for the artist? So yeah. what means more? What's nicer? What's a better fit? What helps in the story? So that tends to be the difference between the two. And um, what happens is, you know, a lot, a lot of bigger artists get really like disilluded with like major agencies and they, um, they don't like it. And, they, and a lot of them will kind of go there for a little bit and then they'll come back to an independent and kind of let us do our thing. So, yeah, it's, it, it's really like, there's a lot of kind of uh, bitchy and backstabbing a lot of people, you know, um, being loyal one second and then secretly having talks with other agencies and like moving over, there's a lot of drama. There's but, got to uh, be a lot of loyalty, really, isn't it? That's what it's down to other than the contract. If you're, but surely if you're helping the relationship along bringing somebody, as you say, that, that initial spotting them and then playing from different sizes. Any industry, man, money talks. It's like, basically, if you've been with this agency for however long and they've brought you up grassroots and then, but then, you know, they might, they might, <laughs> no. but um, they might, you know, you might, for example, well, again, what happens is, so you, you're going to these festivals and shows and you might have like a major agent turn up to the show and basically they just promise you all the stuff. They're like, you know, I, I can, how much money are you getting? Oh, I can get you more than that. Or like, you should really be playing this festival. I can get you in this festival. I can get you on this tour. It's like, you know, it's standard sort of like, in any competitive business, you'll always have those kind of people. And it, and it happens a lot. But there is, luckily with our agency, because what we offer, I think to the artists, yeah, a lot of the artists enjoy working with us and are happy with what we do and our kind of different approach. Um, we don't really suffer with touch wood. We don't really suffer with that much, but it still happens. It happens everywhere. And it tends to be, if you've been with an agent for a long time and you need to like freshen it up or whatever, or you get a new manager, kind of the first thing they do to like freshen it up is get a new, um, get a new agent or something like that. So you're kind of fighting against those wolves a little bit as well. So yeah, I've got a make from work comment here. I'm scared that I'm saying too much. But... <laughs> it's all good. You're not naming any names. And it is a good insight because I think a lot of people don't get to see uh, the, the goings on a lot behind the scenes. I mean, do you find that the agency that you're working for, because they've got the loyalty and they've got some of the biggest names in world music, is, is that now a chance to, for them to become classed as a major like, yeah, where's the so, difficulty with that? With sort of remaining independent, but still becoming of such a notoriety that it looks like you are a major? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, I mean, again, man, this is the, it's the same question that record labels have, do you know what I mean? About the indies and major labels. What's the, what diff, what's the, the, the aspects that make you different or whatever? But um, I think more than anything, man, if you're a big artist on an independent um, agency, you're going to be... The, not the focus, but you know, you're going to be tailored to, and you're going to be looked after, and you're like you're you're like the big person on there, and you know you matter. Whereas if you join a major agency with loads of other big artists, you just become like a small fish. Do you know what I mean? And it's like you don't get the attention, and then as soon as like you know one time, as soon as you're not hot, you'll probably get dropped. Whereas like you know with an independent, they tend to be more loyal or whatever. So. You know, it, we're there for the ups and downs. You know what I mean, it's like you know, you you, you stick with your artists or whatever, and then um, yeah. So, I tell you, I tell you off the back of that, what's cool, and I'd like to use an example because you said he's on the label. He's a JME in the way that he released his last album. I oh, think that a lot of majors would have been like, what are you doing? Like, that's never going to work. But to give somebody, so would you like to go into that for people that don't know how we how, how we released it? Oh, Matt, Jamie, in everything Jamie does um, from, um, so he's been working with Rebecca, my boss. He's been working with her for, I think it might be 15 years, might even be longer than that. Since since the start, man, since the very, very start of Ryan, Rebecca and Jamie, Rebecca, Rebecca has been representing Jamie and everything he does is completely his own thing. He doesn't, like, he is completely his own person. He doesn't conform to anything. He won't even like, you know, I can only imagine the amount of money that's been dangled in his face for major record label deals, for sponsorship, for, you know, all the kind of stuff that all, you know, you've seen all these like Stummer Like Storms he has done doing. I reckon Jamie's had all that dangled in front of him years ago. And he said no, because it's not what he's about. He doesn't want to do it. He's, he is a truly independent artist who doesn't play by any rules. And this is, you know, it, it, from a business side, it's, it's, you know, sometimes decisions you're like, wow, you could 
you're really missing out here. But he doesn't care. He's, he's totally his own thing. And uh, probably art. Yeah, and he's amazing, man. He's absolutely incredible, and he's he's inspired an inspirational guy in all aspects of life as well as musically. And he's a lot, of, you know. I mean, just read his Twitter feed, man. The guy's like the guy's way of thinking is incredible, and it's really refreshing. And like, he's a he's a fucking lovely guy as well. So, yeah. could you talk us through then the process of the last album and how it came to that he just he just wanted to release well, it on so, the formats he did? I, I'm not his manager, and I'm not really his mate, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really tell you loads. But what he did was he just um, he just he, he so he he wanted to release an album, but he wanted these videos to accompany it. So that this time last year, he just did, he was like, I'm not releasing an album, but I'm going to do like a cinema tour. And he did this tour of cinemas. He's like, I want you to witness these videos, how they're supposed to be um, witnessed. So he did this tour of cinemas. And then he was like, I'm not releasing my album because um, on Spotify, because I don't want it. And then I know eventually it's out now, but he just like completely played the game and all this kind of anti-establishment stuff, just anti-establishment stuff kind of added to the hype. I, and the, the album and videos are like, fucking great man like really really good and anybody's i think some of them might be on youtube now but anybody's not seen them go check them out and all self-produced all uh, collaborated with direct uh, director but you know it's his vision no compromises whatsoever it's exactly how he wants you to see and hear it and it's brilliant man it's really 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 good and he's it's yeah it's wicked everyone should go check it out <laughs> So how does working around these sort of people, and especially in a role you do, how does that impact your own career? Uh, not, well, not in a sense of uh, how do they complement one another, because we've sort of covered that, but the skills that you're taking from the role that you win, how are they impacting how you go and tackle your own career? Um, well, I don't know. So uh, it depends. Again, so there's like, what do you mean, DJ career? DJing, yeah. DJ career. Um I don't know, man. So for me, DJing is kind of like, I love my radio show and I love um, playing clubs or whatever, but it's not really like a, a, there's been no like real plan or anything. I'll just pretty much happily play anywhere for anyone within reason and uh, yeah, and, 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 and no real thought of anything going into I think what works helped me with is just, I mean, constantly being surrounded by really inspiring people. Everyone I work with is fucking mint. I work with one of the best agents in the UK her roster has some of the best artists in the world. So like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on front row for a lot of this. So I see firsthand, you know, and I go to these shows and I kind of like, you know, uh, with them a little bit or whatever. So, you, you know, you feel a bit of the magic and it's like, it kind of all adds to this thing of just like loving, I guess what everyone does, everyone loves music, isn't it? And it's just, it makes it all like, it's, it's it, yeah, it's worthwhile anyway, but it makes just, it's, it's brilliant, man. And it's just, it gives you the drive, do you know what I mean? Just being around these, people all the time and working at a successful company and then you know rinse all the djs on rinse are amazing playing clubs like the cause with all these amazing local djs and it's just like it's just it all just adds to this drive and buzz and you just want to be part of it and it's yeah it's wicked man i want to lean on ando's question there because I, I sort of think that the skills that you're garnering could you see yourself being your own agent because you, uh, you're maybe. developing the behind the scenes of you can't, you can't be your own agent man. no it's a bit of like a, yeah i mean like if i was you can like hustle hustle yourself and stuff and be like a bit of a an ass there's nothing wrong with asking but in terms of like repping yourself although there are some there's two famous djs that apparently do it so the first one was uh dj ez so he used to do a thing where it was like he would um, put a different name on a Gmail account and negotiate his fee or whatever, and it was actually him. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so, so it'd be, you know what I mean? So you, you thought you were talking to his agent, you were talking to him. And then uh, Omar S apparently does it as well. Um, he's another one. So they're the two that I've known that successfully do it. But then even then, they change their names on their emails. So it's still not like, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's a bit of a faux pas. I still also, you know, if you're, if you're negotiating fees or whatever, it's a bit, I don't know. Done. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not really the done thing. And I think as well, if, if you're representing yourself, you're kind of more, it gets a bit matesy, doesn't it, or whatever. And it's, I don't know, it doesn't really look the, it's not really right. Although I have used, I have, by all means, I've hustled, but I've not been like my own agent sort of thing, yeah. So can you talk us through some of the residencies that you have with your DJ inside? Well, the only real official residency I have is uh, at... Um, uh, Canal Mills, which is doesn't exist anymore. Obviously, Rinse FM. Um, so Rinse FM happened through um, 
I'm official resident of Rinse of Home now. That happened through my boiler room that I did with Scream. Um, one of the guys that works at Rinse got in touch and then I did a few test shows and then that went really well. And now I've got a monthly on there. So yeah, that. And then the, I, I play a lot of the cores in Tottenham, which is like a really cool club. I, I'm not like a proper resident, but I play there quite a lot. Um, where else? I'm just about to be announced as a number, as a, uh, like a club in Hackney Wick called number 90, which I'm about to start doing a regular thing there. But this is all just from, um, a lot of it's come from a rinse show, I'm not going to lie, but um, it's kind of just being about, man, and then speaking to people, getting to know people. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's, it, I guarantee it's exactly the same grind that you do in Leeds and Manchester as it is down here. But because it's in London, you're exposed to these like people that work at like cool clubs or whatever. So it's, and it's exactly the same kind of process. You're the only one, when we were speaking one time at Canal Mills, you were the closest ever to getting me to consider moving London. Yeah, I remember I mean, having a chat and you were just like, you proper painted a, a, a wonderful London picture. And I was like, it's, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm a Yorkshire boy, Leeds guy, York guy. So I love it, man. I love coming home or whatever. But in terms of like, especially, if you want to work in music or film or something for fashion even, you have to do it, man. It changed my life. It really, really did. I went from like Canal Mills and Normans to like a boiler room, Rinse FM. Do you know what I mean? All this, and that is purely from being in London. And even if, um, you know, you just get like a shitty bar job, but you're just out like hustling, it, it like works. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it really is a kind of, in terms of like an, creative industry it's really you have to try it man and I, I, I see you on Arsenal TV and that man and I said to you you need to get down and like do get on it get on the radio and all that down because there's so many great radio stations and like just walking around East London there's so many uh just like this you bump into so many people that are like kind of connected it's like yeah it's if like, if you want to try real go for it I, I really really suggest um moving to London as much so as it pains <laughs> Talk us through the prep of your uh, radio show on Rinse FM. Like, how, is it is it once a month or is it once a week now? No, no, it's once a month. Um, so it's once it, a month. So how do you how do you prep with the music and everything? So what what I try to do is it just it's all new music. So I uh, keep an eye on every. I, I buy I buy everything. I never illegally download. I get a few promos, but ninety percent of it I download and buy. And I just keep an eye. Just dig for the month, and then about four days before the show kind of go through it um listen listen to it kind of i'm really into like flow so it's like i try and see what flows kind of trying to start slow and then end a bit more kind of like high energy and then um yeah and that's pretty much it. i kind of plan a rough outline i try and get a, a bit of info on each sort of track um sort of uh shout out and all that and then and then kind of just go with the flow man because what i feel like radio is you get two types of radio. You get the kind of like really planned formatted radio one, like kind of like they're all like scripted and stuff. And that's great. And then I think Rinse, because it's like a dance music station, because it's got that pirate history, it's a bit more clubby. It's a bit more like in the mix, a bit more like shout out, a bit more like kind of fun. Have almost piratey. Like it used to be, like you say, so it feels like no, you're no, almost no, like Rinse, shouting over top. Rinse Fen has like the most legit setup now. It's incredible the studio is great and they have like full-time staff there it's like it's wicked man but is Zinc still, still involved with it who Zinc. Zinc, yeah 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 and uh yeah i think well genius wasn't but he's still about i think but um yeah they're also there they also have shows um it's all like a real proper radio setup mate they, their um drive time show is like a it's like mayor jammer emerald they're all going on to do massive things now uh katie b it's all like it's like a little kind of um, academy, like a radio academy. It's wicked, man. Again, another place where you walk in and it's just like mad inspiring and there's all these like sick people. One of the guys that produces there, um, actually he's, he lived in Leeds for a bit and he's just like this sick producer and he's like, they've rinse have got him making grind beats now. And you know what? He's so sick, I can't remember his name, but he's sick. But you know, you've just got these people sat there on the desk, like, you know, helping you out. But, you know, they, they, they're making grind beats and all kinds of stuff. It's wicked, man. But, um, yeah, so the kind of the Rinse FM sort of side. And NTS to an extent as well, I think is a bit more piratey. So you just have a bit more of a laugh of it and it's a bit more like energy. And it's not really like, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't introduce every single track. You kind of just like play it by ear and do a bit of shout outs and have a laugh. And that, that's why I love it, man. It's like, 
it's planned but it's still kind of fun it's not totally like rigid so perfect brother well the final one from me then is what was it like to play uh beat hotel glastonbury oh, about the last year just gone because yeah did you it, play you played it on the first was it the wednesday or the first it was on the wednesday so it, it wasn't like full system cranked but so I, so I somehow like managed to get all my mates to come early on the Wednesday. So I had like all of my mates at Glasgow on the front row, and then it just got like busier and busier and busier. And then it was absolutely packed. It was absolutely it was amazing, man. Um, yeah. So I did. So actually, one of the guys that runs um, used to own Canal Mills Butledge. He runs the event in Morocco, uh, which I did last year, and I played that. And then I got on um, well with the slash. I got on well with slash. I sort of lagged and pecked him a little bit i was like mate I, you know i played this i played in morocco and fucking min and i was like that was so good let me do glastonbury kind of like half joking and then i was like just emailing him probably annoying him a little bit he's like go on then you can do wednesday and then he gave me a wicked slot and then uh, managed to get all my mates in there by the skin of their teeth not like get them into the festival just got them into the beat hotel and it was it was absolutely fascinating definitely one of the best things i've ever done and it was hopefully i was going to do it again this year but obviously now that's cancelled so hopefully I'll do it again in 21. But um, yeah, it was amazing, man. It was so good. Glastonbury's magic, isn't it? It's the best thing in the world. Yeah, I think it's a place on earth. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, when you're like a kid, like Christmas is like everything. And I think when you're like a bit older, literally I got the same like butterflies for uh, Glastonbury as I did for Christmas when I was like five years old or whatever. So yeah. I, <laughs> PJ, DJ, yes. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I, I tell you I DJed in my PJs there as well. That's where it started. <laughs> I tell you what I love about Glastonbury is on the drive down and I, I like to wind window down and just let that Glastonbury air. It's proper, there's something magical in the air there. The best, man. It's so, it's such a buzz. And ev mm. everyone is so, like, I mean, we're like the millionth people to be like babbling on about Glastonbury, aren't we? But I mean, it's, it's, it's something else, man. I'm going to miss it loads this year. But, um, yeah, how many times have you been? You've been loads, haven't you? I've been, I think I counted it up. I think I've been nine. Nine. I'm going to be my tenth. I'm going to be my tenth. What was your favourite? Were you there for the Kanye year? That was one of my favorite. I weren't there for Kanye, you know. That was my first year. That Chad has never been. You go every time. <laughs> so me and Chad has just been With his helmet. With his helmet on every time. Do you, do you think uh, next year's still going to be classed as the 50th? Oh, yeah, they'll still. They'll, It'll still be something special. Although, what, what were you saying on the lineup this year? Um, I didn't. Some of the sub, some of the other stages would have been quality. Like, for example, other stage John Peel and um, and West Alts. But I want the pyramid didn't really pop off. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, a... I love Kendrick. Like yeah. Kendrick six to see live. That, that would have been a moment, man. That yeah, Kendrick. Kendrick. I think Kendrick would have been. Kendrick would have been able to do on there what I felt, and I, I want there, so it'd be good to get your opinion. But I felt uh, Kanye dropped the ball, and I well, think thing is right. So we were like front row, so it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and all like the the the, the gaps and all like the lights going off and all the guy running on stage, all added to the drama. It was just mid. But then when I watched it on the iPlayer afterwards, I was like, ah, I can maybe see why people who weren't there didn't really think it was great, but. Being there and watching it all, it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. Yeah, I, that makes the difference when you're there and you're around it. It completely makes the difference. But I, I for me, I think um, I went to see Kendrick in Paris a couple of years ago, and he, I just think he gets the whole stage show. I felt what Kanye missed out on was it were too like that stage is bigger than anybody. I, I, I was there when Jay Z played it, and Jay Z really acknowledged that. It was Jay-Z at Glastonbury, whereas I felt Kanye was like, I'm Kanye. Yeah, like, I, think, it, I think, so you know the, the lighting rig that he had? Yeah. I think that was a nod to Queen, I think. But did, did Queen ever play Glastonbury? I don't know. No, like, no, well... There was a nod to, like, iconic British stadium, like, act sort of thing. But I don't nah, know he's, he's come out after and probably come up with that after watching it. He's blaming right. that. I'm telling you, bro. What, so what were the, uh, you know, that thing that he got on that, like, cherry picker or whatever the oh, call that, was that? I, was I, that for everybody who's uh, ever done scaffolding in their life? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like that. I won't put it past him. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing, man. But, um, yeah, I was, yeah. That was, I, I think that's, well, it's, your first is always the best, isn't it? I think that was my first time there. It was fucking unreal. Oh, um, seven. I, I agree. My first was all seven, and um, K 
Kisabian and Arctic Monkeys on that and Block Party to be fair on the Friday, they tore it up. And then um on the Sunday, the first time I saw Chemical Brothers and it was just like Yeah, I seen Chems twice at Glastonbury now. That one just gone was like Yeah. Man. So that one just gone. Been. That one just gone, right? It proper like realigned my DNA. Like I felt like my insides like changing. Honestly, yeah, it was the mag yeah. most magical experience. It was amazing, man. Because they it was like all the euphoric ones, wasn't it? You know, like the real like kind of like uh, hair standy like yeah. euphoric chemical brothers tunes, like one after another. And then yeah. that new album just kinda like fits it so well as well. The new album like, exactly. The new album really like sometimes we, when you see them and when the the album's been good but it's not had as many like bangers like the new album. It sort of like feels like it segments. It's like you want them, then it slows it. But yeah, the, the new ones it really like yeah. uh, joined it together. It was quality man. It was so so good. Again another like really inspirational moment where you just come back and like even though I just was like I want to make something man what can I do sort of thing do you know what I mean it was like yeah I get that every time I come back from Glastonbury to be fair but um, that's what Chad has said and I agree I think it's one of those places where you come back feeling more fueled with your own ambitions yeah 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 in whatever you do yeah definitely I'd say so although you feel drained for the first three days <laughs> can't get out of bed but yeah definitely so Perfect. Well, do you want to let everyone know where they can find uh, your like handles and your yeah, yeah. your radio so, show? Rinse FM. I think it's oh, fuck. I can't remember. I think it's the third Wednesday of every month on Rinse FM, twelve o'clock till two. Um, and then Instagranger is my uh, Instagram, which everyone's got here. Instagranger eighty eight, and then uh, Facebook Granger. Um, yeah. So in terms of DJ, I guess it. When it all starts back up, I've got a few bits coming. Um, hopefully, some music. Now, I'm actually trying to like do something in this time off to like, um, yeah, hopefully, like some form of release or something by the end of the year. Hopefully, that's the kind of game. That's the goal. And then more radio, and then hopefully, I'll be back at my day job as well, repping all kinds of amazing bands. And James Wright will headline Glastonbury last year, next year. So that's it. <laughs> yes, mate. And I think it'd be remiss if I didn't end it on. What do you think's happening with the championship? Oh, Is it going to finish? So, right, I actually, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts on this. But, um, so, I think it all depends on the Bundesliga, weirdly. So, if the Bundesliga, because they're going to go back first, aren't they? Um, so, if they manage to play games behind closed doors successfully and get their season done, then I reckon they'll, their Prem and the championship will do the same. If they do that, they will go up. If they don't, then apparently they might do it on points per game. Which, if they do it on points per game predicted, like they do, you know, when they do like the the weird computer models, or whatever, then Leeds still be top. So, Leeds in the Premier League, whatever happens, basically is going to happen. Good man, good man. You keep safe down there, brother. Nice one for chatting. And, no worries, uh, Thank you. Respect to you. Big keep love, it up, man. Respect. Big love. Thanks. Peace. Respect for everybody in the group who are getting involved with the comments. Sorry if I couldn't read any of the comments or questions out, but that was Tom Granger uh, catching up with him and letting you know how his career is progressing in London in the music industry. A good chat, as always, with my boy. Next up, we've got Luke Thompson, who is a musician, but he's also a live drawer. So if you want to hear any hints, tips, how we got into that. He's a proper cool dapper guy and uh, it's definitely worth sticking about for. So we'll be chatting in five minutes. So come join me on the other side. Other than that, peace and light to you and yours. This is Loose Lips. I'm Ben Random. If you want to catch any of the back catalogue, go to YouTube and put in Pop Cult Chic and you can see them all there. I'll see you in five.